For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Morning, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I'm home in Minnesota, which is a nice thing in the summer. That's why we live here is for the you know, three, four months of summer we have. So, and I got my Joe, I got my cup of Joe. So Absolutely. I'm all set. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I need a couple of extra cups and I'll tell you why. And I won't go into it too long, but I've been on this journey, as you know, of trying to learn this game where you take a tiny hard ball and you hit it with a long metal or graphite stick. <laughs> and the person teaching me said, Mo, you have to stop having negative self-talk. He goes, why do you walk up and say, oh my gosh, there's people behind you. Oh my gosh, there's people ahead of you. Oh my gosh, the ball's never going to go in the right direction. Oh, this is a horrible, can we leave? And that's literally what I said, word for word, the last thing. And I, anyone replayed it back to me, Mark, I said, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this game. This is very stressful. But you're a you're an avid golfer, so I'm I'm gonna have to take some tutelage from you at some point and calm myself down. But that's what I need. I need this coffee. Actually, the coffee isn't calming me down. It's probably revving me up. But that being said, I need yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a game that's played uh, in the six inches between your ears. Uh, that's that's for sure. So, uh, well, let's. Why not... don't you introduce our guest? Absolutely. So today we have. Uh, Dr. Margaret Falk, who is a both a colleague and a friend, um, she has um, held several leadership roles, but currently um, presides at the Queen Mary Hospital in Hong Kong. She's a clinical assistant professor at the University of Hong Kong and has held numerous leadership positions within uh, many orthopedic organizations, one which I have been uh, involved with. Uh, she has been the program chair of the CECOT meeting and certainly has had a huge impact in that group. I'll just start off by saying, Margaret, uh, you know, welcome on behalf of Ortho Joe and spending a little bit of time with us today. Uh, and thanking you so much for everything you've been doing for the field of orthopedics overall. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me to, to come and join you guys. Yeah. Well, let me start off if I could. You know, um, in your bio, I, I was reading with quite a bit of interest, and it said that you are the 10th female orthopedic surgeon in Hong Kong. Now, that may be still current, or it, I suspect it's not that far off. And I guess the question I have, and I suspect Mark has, is what's it like being the 10th female orthopedic surgeon in Hong Kong? Well, actually, I never really noticed that I'm the 10th until we actually count the number. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, when I joined the department, it's just because that I like orthopedics, and um, I've been exposed to orthopedics quite very early on as a as a patient, because I actually fractured my fingers. And so I actually I actually go under the operation, I have a cast on and, and all that. So after that, then in my internship, then I actually start, um, I thought I was going to be always going to be in internal medicine, but then I changed my 
basically, I, I changed my view and said, oh, actually, I like orthopedics. I like the surgical side of things. And so I go into orthopedics. And I was lucky because even though that I was a 10th as a trainee to, or later on as an orthopedic surgeon as in a female, I have two other colleagues who are female in my department. So that helps a lot. So I don't actually feel that I'm someone who's odd, odd, um, odd went out. And they actually helped me to, to fit in into the, into the department. So we are very open um, in, in our interactions. And I think very early on, I know that um, we want to fit in. So we try to be basically, it's an all boys club and we, try to, we, we actually want to join in as all boys club. That was, that, that was a thing, which is slightly different from what we're now. Now it's like, there's a difference. It's like, oh, we should have our own identity and then, we may can be able to do something slightly different from the boys and the other way around. And the boys should be able to do something different from us. So, yeah, but at that time, I think I want to fit in. Um, and that was the culture. I think that's a great story, though, how important that mentorship is when you're in a minority position in any organization. And it really helps to have colleagues that have gone through it and can assist you mm -hmm. along. That, that, that's a, a, a wonderful reminder of, of that fact. When you've taken on some of these major leadership roles, uh, Margaret, for example, let's say at CCOT as program chair, when you look at your own expertise, and, and you know, I know you've done so much training in upper extremity, particularly hand and wrist, and you've trained all over the world, and you're by every count an expert uh, in the area, how, how does your expertise on top of your real promotion, I know you're also a member of the uh, IOTA, which is the International Orthopedic yeah. Diversity Alliance. When you're the program chair and you can organize a meeting as, you know, as large as CCOT, how do you, like, what, what's your mindset in developing? Are you looking specifically to, to ensure it's going to be a, a, a diverse meeting? Are you looking appropriately also to make sure there's going to be uh, lots of voices heard? Um, on, on top of on top of the already expected you know expected high quality um, you know research that's going to be presented. Yes, that is slightly difficult because um, obviously I come in as a very junior person in the whole executive board, so I'm one of the junior ones, and there have been there's a lot of set ideas, a lot of set rules already, and but then they also they're also looking forward for me to bring in new ideas, and that's the thing, and so. Um, I'm lucky to have people that who actually the, the, the board to actually listen to me. And basically I said to them that um, some, one of the ideas is that we want more diverse um, panel. And that goes well with the exact board, but in the end is actually is more difficult to the to when you do groundwork, because um, as you know, one of the most in, international society, basically you have different committees for different um regions in the body so basically you've got hip and joint you've got hip and knees you've got shoulders you've got sports and and they may have they may already have a block number of of um of faculties that are always have and to change the whole thing is a bit difficult and it is always that i can't really say that oh we should always in, invite female but then i did tell all my um committee um, chairs that please try to think about uh, inviting a female or inviting is to invite a diverse group so we're not just talking about gender we're also talking about the whole we actually analyze and the ethnicity of the diverse and um, the diversity of the of the people that of the countries that represent so i think that's important it's not just about oh um that we should invite 
um, all the all the ones that have been always come to the CCOP, but we want to bring in new ideas, and that's one way of doing it. So that 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 is a bit difficult, but then I was just pushing them to do it. I think, yeah. Yeah, well, but both Mo and I were at the wonderful meeting that you uh, organized in Kuala Lumpur, and it, it's very clear, as you just pointed out, that you were very intentional about trying to create that diversity and invite uh, new and, and, and young, uh, younger individuals to participate uh, and not just have it be the, quote, good old boys club. Uh, and uh, it, it's apparent for, for those of us who are visiting. So congratulations. I have to just do a little bit of shameless promotion. Uh, that uh, for any CCOP members that are listening, that they now can have access to JBJS Clinical Classroom uh, through uh, an agreement we just reached with uh, CCOT. And uh, uh, sorry for promoting no, that. No, but that, no that was quite. No. <laughs> Listen, the more the better. I mean, I mean the yeah. one thing that, that struck me, Margaret, is that you, know, you identified yourself as being sort of the youngest member of an executive as potentially something that is not a good thing. I think it's an amazing thing. And I'm not saying you were saying that, but I think it's exceptional that, you know, uh, new ideas come from, you know, new people um, and new, new people, you know, from various backgrounds bring all kinds of new ideas. So, I mean, I imagine for you, um, you know, being as, uh, you know, being involved in, in as many leadership activities as you are, you're probably in many ways also paving the path for so many other um, younger trainees who can actually see themselves finally, you know, in these large committees. And I imagine that you must have opportunities to mentor many other junior trainees. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't know whether I can mentor them, but basically I always find that I'm a bit harsher on some of the female trainees than some of the, the male ones. And maybe it's because that it is that we, I need to, I know that it was um, how difficult it is in some way sometimes to to get into the the club so i expect them to do a little bit more but that's different so uh, that's another thing about mentorship is not you don't always go for the like to like sometimes you go for the for example my mentor most of my mentors are male and so yeah it's just the way it's just the way it is it doesn't have to be oh that you are female and you should go for the mm -hmm. female mentor so yeah but i've heard to not just me i mean i've heard from some of the juniors it's like oh the 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 female mentor seems to be actually more harsh and they expect more because they do and and we're talking about some of the senior ones they are actually they do have to fight a harder battle than the than the people who are now and so they do expect that you know the younger ones if they want to be themselves that they should be doing the same thing and they should um, give up some of things because it is difficult um as a female you some of them do want to have family, they want to have time off, they want to build a family, and that is difficult. So some of my um, female um, colleagues actually don't have, have delayed the, the, to, to build up, to, to give birth, to build, build a family when they, are, when they are older, so that they don't actually affect their training. So, but then there, I've got um, another way of, um, of people listening to me and then ask me, they said, oh, um, now I feel that there are opportunities just for female, and they feel that they they said that oh it's another bias, so they are only giving it to me because I'm a female. They're not giving it oh. to me because of what I do. So how should I do that? And I said just grab the chance and just prove to everyone that you can do it. I think that's the only way. Nothing is completely fair in the world. It's just how you grab the opportunities and how and that's what I told them is how you make the most of it. So yeah, prove to the others that this is the right choice. Maybe it was that it was because that they 
that they do choose them because of their of whatever of their gender of their of their ethnicity but um yeah but if you have the opportunities and and you like it and then you should go for it and and then prove yourself that you're better and that's the how the way that to pave up your your career i think in general yeah, I, I mean, that, I, oh, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say that's really wise advice, uh, Margaret, to just seize the opportunity and prove you're as good or better than than the people that have gone before you who are maybe different uh, than you. So very wise advice. Sorry, right. And, I, right. and I, I was just simply going to say that, you know, the truth is that all of us have gotten to where we are through others opening doors. And, uh, you know, I mean, the worst thing I think sometimes you can do to yourself, and I've done it to myself many times, is doors are open. You don't realize those doors have been open. And I think you walk through as many doors, some will shut, as I think you have also discussed. But I mean, the, the, the mere um, you know, courage of walking through those doors and then demonstrating that the other side, you belong on that side of it, you know, and that I think is what you're um, helping, you know, uh, a lot of individuals with. So I, I think that's a really, again, very sage advice. Uh, Margaret. I wonder, Margaret, if I could just switch to a clinical topic that I, I know, you know, I know you've done lots and lots of publications, and particularly you've done lots of training in hand and upper extremity. And now it also yeah. intuitively makes sense to me why you may have chosen upper extremity given your, your injury, and, and potentially that had something to do with it, who knows. But you know, an area that's always fascinated me is this issue of patient perceptions and outcomes. And there's a paper, I believe, or a study you've been involved in in the past that talked about patient expectations predict outcomes in distal radius fractures. I wonder if you might speak a little bit to really that study or in principle, what you like, if, if you believe that from your own data. Yeah, the reason why, well, let's we go back to some of the background. The reason why we do this is we want to see that there's a variable outcome and we, and we, there's a lot of different score out there. There's the best score, there's the PR, there's a lot of different scores out there and to 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 say the outcome of the patients but then we so we want to see well okay when they vary so we look at the age we look at everything it's like oh they yeah the iod we know that it will predict that it will be slightly bad but then we said is there anything that's particular that is independent that well some of the things we can't change but what can we change and i think that was one thing that we looked in and so to see that whether actually patients' expectation, because we want to do something that can be changed. And if, and that was a very good study because actually we find out that, oh, that patient's expectation before the surgery will actually affect the outcome. And that is something that we can definitely change as a surgeon. And yeah, and we can basically start to, we, we can actually build up what the patients expected. So that's why we have a lot of patients' um, education before the surgery and we have different allied health to help us to basically educate our patients. And that is, yeah, and that is a good thing to basically, we want to improve the outcome because that is one of the things, I think that was one of the, well, basically we are seeing a lot of trauma and a lot of disorders fractures in, in our, in our, in our, yeah, in our daily lives and how can we improve the outcome? Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up too, because many years ago, one of our colleagues involved in the study and, Mark and I were involved in a study called SPRINT on tibial shaft fractures, and then we did one on open fractures. And there was a colleague, Jason Bussa from McMaster, who had the exact same, I think, belief that you did in, in your work, which was, you know, something around either whether it's a personality or it's a belief system. And he called it the somatic preoccupation. So were individuals who were catastrophizing, for example, feeling that no matter what happens, I'm going to have a bad outcome. Did they, in fact, have a bad outcome? 
And the funny thing is, over all the things that we identified, Margaret, that particular score on that scale was very highly correlated with an outcome. So in some ways, it wasn't too surprising to me, but it was also interesting to see that, you know, someone else had done the same work, you know, and validated the same ideas that we had. The question we're facing, and I suspect you are too, is, you know, what type of counseling do you give a patient beforehand if they are someone who has potentially a negative perception of their outcome? Well, basically, we tell them that what they expect, what they should be expected. So, for example, if they need an, usually they will be admitted to hospital and then they will wait for for the emergency operation. And usually they will be discharged the next day. So we're just going to tell them that first we we are going to make them move. We are we first it's not going to be immobilization. That's why we do the operation, and and we just need to tell them that it's going to be painful. Just take the painkillers. I think that's slightly different from a lot of people um, overseas. I mean, we in Hong Kong or in the Chinese population, we actually seldom have the opioid problems. We don't have a lot of painkillers. Overuse of painkillers. They don't actually want any painkillers. So. Mm-hmm. They, they are proud of not taking painkillers, in fact. So these are patients that they will come back and say, you know, you say, oh, do you need more painkillers? After two weeks, they will say to us that, oh, no, 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 I only take three so far from the operation till now. So they take pride of not taking painkillers. They feel that, you know, that we're strong, we shouldn't. So we need to tell them that, you know, it's fine to take painkillers. It's fine to, you know, you need to mobilize it. So we need to tell them that, you know, they expect it, that it will be painful. They should take painkillers. It's not going to be, it's not going to be bad for them for the long term. Um, and yeah, and then move them. And we do have a good rehabilitation team to help us as a hand therapist, to help us to mobilize them and, and motivate them. And that is the thing that is important. Yeah. So the therapists are really integral in trying to identify patients who do have that negative uh, anticipation and try to work through that with them. Yeah. Yes. One other thing is that we do for the upper limb um, rehab, we actually see our patients with the therapist. Yeah. So and and so most of the therapists actually know the the patients quite well. Yeah. So they, they already identify, oh, this one is a bit apprehensive, this one's not. So, and because they are in the consultation room, they also know what we are telling the patients and they will reinforce it. Uh-huh. So that makes it a lot um, easier for them. So they will be able to follow the, 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 the protocol. But yeah, there are some difficult ones. And so, and, and because of that, it's easier for us to pick them earlier. So for example, that we, I would, CRPS is a very difficult thing because nowadays we're still talking about whether there is it is existence or not. But then there are patients who are very apprehensive, very stiff, very swollen. Then, then these are the patients that we will very early on tell them that, you know, we need to oh, please motivate them and please try to ask them to come back. And then, yeah, and we need to have different strategies for them. Okay. Mo, do you have one last uh, quick question for our guests? Sure. Sure. So, Margaret, like, you know, if you look back and, you know, and maybe you're, you're, you're awfully, you're awfully reflective. I know you are, um, as we all are at some point. Um, when you look back at your career and you look forward, what are some of the things or the thing that you are working towards now as you move forward in your career? Uh, are there, is there something specific or something special that you are thinking will be the next step for you? It's always difficult because there's all these things that you always want to do. And then, how can you just pick one? And yeah, I do want to, in a way, you sort of say, I would want to make the 
the the the world a better place. So I do want to help our patients, and we do want to help our patients to have a better outcome. So it's always different ways of doing it. So in a way, I'm doing a lot of um. So I do. So yeah. So so one of the things is research, and one of the things is to motivate our young younger generation to get into medicine and to be motivated. I think some of the times that I feel that, and so um, some of them said they when they're very busy at work they lost the sense of why they want to be a doctor in the first place. And then they just like, you know, this is a job and I will just get it done. But then you just have to remind them that they are the doctors. They, they should be looking after everyone. So, yeah, so that's, is, so not only, that's why I'm not only doing the upper limbs um, research and I'm also involved in like ISACOT and CCOT because I do find that it is important not just saying that, oh, okay, I need to be, yeah, I, I I want to subspecialize in doing better, better things for for a subspecialty, but at the same time, I do want to motivate more of the orthopedic surgeons in general, and yeah, and some of the minorities out there that they can do it. Beautifully said. Thanks, Margaret. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Fox, thank you so much uh, for all you've done so far in your uh, relatively uh, short career, and for all the <laughs> leadership you've provided in adding new and real value to CCOT uh, with diversity and uh, paying attention to the program. And we are going to uh, watch with great interest as your career develops over the next 30 plus years uh, and how you really do change the field by motivating uh, others and encouraging them to remember why they became a physician in the first place. So we congratulate you. It's been great talking with you and we're going to follow your career along with great interest. So Thanks very much and have a good evening in Hong Kong. And Mo and I will have a good good morning in uh, Canada and the U.S. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks Thanks again, Margaret. Cheers. Bye. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.